Hiya friends! I'm Megan, a true crime enthusiast who thought it would be a great idea to start a podcast. Join me and my rotating co-host as we explore true crime from coast to coast. The Earth is a place filled with magnificent wonders, but also great darkness. This darkness leads to the Caligo Effect. Hiya friends, it's spooky season! In honor of this glorious time, I thought we would do a little history lesson on where Halloween as we know it is originated and some of the traditions associated with it. Joining me again today is my handsome husband, Richard, or RJ, also known as King of Kilburn on Twitch. Hey! Yeah, I truly have the face for radio and podcasting, so it's great. (laughs) You're beautiful. It's true. And I have the voice for silent movies. Oh my gosh. So, are you excited to learn about the histories of Halloween? I'm sure some of it I'll be excited to learn, some of it I will probably not enjoy. That's not as bad as you thought. Um, do you know anything about the or- origins of Halloween or anything? Which one? Pick one. I mean, most of them were just harvest festivals. Uh, I know that there's a couple that talk about the demons of ancient Ireland that were held. That's where we got the traditions of wearing masks to stop oh my, Sam Hain. I want to say it was Sam Hain. Samhain is the name of the festival, but it's spelled Sam Hain. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember that one mostly through uh, Supernatural. Shout out for one of the greatest TV programs on the earth. <laughs> um, that's why you wear masks is so he can't find you. Uh, the jack-o'-lanterns are supposed to be faces that they would go after instead. The process of candy, I think, is just corporate American BS, but... Kind a, of. A we'll get of, into it. But a lot of it's like old harvest rituals. Like, yay, we got the corn in this year. <laughs> and then you celebrate. So Halloween is celebrated annually on October 31st, and is actually one of the oldest holidays in the world. The origins of Halloween date back about 2,000 years to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. This festival took place in an area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and Northern France. Samhain was like our New Year's Eve celebrations, is kind of what I was equating it to for modern day, that we hold on December 31st. So, on October 31st of each year, the Celtics would get together and celebrate the coming of the new year on November 1st. Samhain marked the end of the summer and harvest seasons and ushered in the cold, dark winters. Which kind of makes more sense for a new year. Yeah, but you know, Julius Caesar was really into himself. So, you know, when the Julian and Augustan calendars were readjusted because of the Roman Empire, you know, we couldn't have it end on those days. We had to make it end on days that weren't close to the Emperor's names. That's fair. Like, you know, Julian is July. (laughs) Or Augustus is August. (laughs) This time was associated with death. 
On the night before the new year, it was believed that a barrier between the living world and the dead world was no longer existent. Samhain was celebrated, and it was believed that ghosts would return to Earth for the night. So, you were right in that aspect. The ghosts were thought to bring about trouble and damage the crops. So, frost. Although the idea of the otherworldly beings would make it easier for druids, you do now. I feel like that comes more from after Catholicism settled in Europe. Because... I'm pretty sure they went, oh, druids, yeah, they're priests, so you don't kill them for being heretics. So the, these Celtic priests would make predictions of the future. For a person, people, a group of people that was entirely dependent on the volatile natural world, these predictions kind of brought them comfort for the upcoming long and dark winter. I mean, yeah, when food stops growing, that becomes a problem for everyone involved. So the hearth fires in the homes had been put out before a large bonfire was set to ensure protection of the home during the winter. Once the bonfire went out, they relit their hearths in their home, and that meant they had their protection for the winter. In 43 AD, the Roman Empire had con conquered most of the Celtic territory. In the 400 years that they ruled, the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was Feralina. Uh, have you heard of that? Nope. A day in late October where Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. So, very similar to Samhain, but also kind of similar to like the Day of the Dead, so to speak. Or All Saints Day, which is November 1st. That's coming up too. <laughs> The second was the day in honor of Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is an apple, and in collaboration with this celebration into Samhain, probably brings the tradition of bobbing for apples that is practiced today. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a few Nordic traditions from when they were raiding all of <laughs> uh, everyone, everywhere, all the time that got mixed into those as well. So as you said, All Saints Day. Yeah. On May 13th, 609 AD. Oh, recent. <laughs> Pope, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Parthenon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs. And the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include all saints, as well as all martyrs, and moved the observation from May 13th to November 1st. Did you know that? Yes. <laughs> How do you know that? Um, as much as I am not extremely religious, my family was Catholic, so I did receive a little bit of that. And, you know... I, I'm a gigantic history nerd, so I, I read a lot. <laughs> By the 9th century, the influence of Christianity had spread into Celtic lands, where it gradually blended with the supplanted older Celtic rites, and in 1000 AD, the church made November 2nd, All Souls Day, a day to honor the dead. It's widely believed today that the, the church was attempting to replace the Catholic festival of the dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. Well, yeah, they, they did that a lot. 
<laughs> Jesus was born in July. That's fair. Uh, the entirety of Christmas is based off of a Roman holiday in the middle of December because everyone was miserable, so it was a giant party. But instead of celebrating this giant party of hedonism, basically, they went, oh, it's Jesus' birthday now. <laughs> you disagree while well, you're excommunicated. Your opinion no longer counts. All Souls Day was celebrated similarly to Samhain with big bonfires, parades, and dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. An All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallowmas from Middle from Middle English Al Hallowmas, meaning All Saints Day. And the night before it, the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic religion began began to be called All Hallows' Eve, and eventually Halloween. The American Halloween tradition of trick-or-treating probably dates back to early All Souls Day parades in England. During the festivities, poor citizens would beg for food, and families would give them pastries called soul cakes, in return for their promise to pray for their family's dead relatives. Did you know that? No. I'm learning you things! Finally! The distribution of soul cakes was encouraged by the church to replace the ancient practice of leaving food and wine for roaming spirits. The practice, which was referred to as going a-souling, was eventually taken up by children who would visit the houses of their neighborhood and be given ale, food, and money. Well, yeah, up until like the 1800s, it was perfectly acceptable to start your day with a six rack of beer and start it. <laughs> Makes you feel good in the morning. I mean, compared to how the rest of the world is, we are very conservative with our alcohol consumption. That's fair. Which is why alcoholics are such a big problem here, is because it's, oh, you can't do that. So when people finally get to do it, they overdo it, and then they can't stop overdoing it. That's fair. So now we're coming over to America. We're coming to America. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England. Can you guess why? I don't know. Maybe it has to do with the witch trials and the fact that Puritan England was really popular back then. Yeah, rigid Protestant beliefs really uh, put, a, put a squash on that. Halloween was a much more common practice in southern colonies. So. Oh, you mean where the slave population was bigger and a lot of those beliefs were transferred over? Uh-huh. Huh. Who would have guessed? As the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the American Indians meshed together, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations included play parties, which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, sing, and dance. That sounds fun. Witches, burn them. <laughs> this is how we got the Salem witch trials. Oh, man. Oh, no. Colonial Halloween festivities also featured the telling of ghost stories and mischief-making of all kinds. By the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivals were common, but Halloween was not yet celebrated everywhere in the country. That sounds about right. In the second half of the 19th century, America was flooded with new immigrants. These new immigrants, especially the millions of Irish that were fleeing Ireland because of the potato famine. That's insensitive. You're insensitive. 
helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween publicly. The Irish really helped it out. My people really helped it out. Yeah, mine didn't. <laughs> Borrowing from European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food and money. A practice that eventually became today's trick-or-treating tradition. Young women believed that on Halloween they could divine the name and appearance of their future husbands by doing tricks with yarn, apple pairings, and mirrors. I mean, that's still a thing. Like, you see it in elementary schools. Oh, you twist the apple till the stem comes out, and that's the first letter of their name. I've never heard of that. You never heard of that? I've heard of pulling off, like, petals. No. For, maybe it was just my elementary school. But it used to be you held an apple, mm -hmm. and you twisted it, mm -hmm. and you went A, B, C, D, E, F. Did anybody I, ever get to Z? That's the concerning part. Yes. Oh? Because the elementary school I went to uh, was right next to an apple orchard. Mm -hmm. So you could literally reach over the back by the soccer fields. You could reach over and grab an apple. Hmm. It was highly frowned upon, but that didn't stop us from doing that. Yeah. Gotcha. That and we had those big woods, so, you know, there was all sorts of stuff back there. I had big woods behind my school, too. In the late 1800s, there was a move in America to mold Halloween into a holiday more about community and neighborly get-togethers than ghost pranks and witchcraft. I wonder who started that. I bet you it's in the north. <laughs> At the turn of the century, Halloween parties for both children and adults became the most common way to celebrate the day. The parties focused on games, foods in, of the season, and festive costumes. Parents were encouraged by newspapers and community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of the Halloween celebration. Because of these efforts, Halloween lost most of its superstitious and religious overtones by the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah, and then we got to the 21st, we put all that stuff right back in it. <laughs> we'll get there. Yes, we will. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not the only one that used to, like, make the little jelly handprints that looked like blood and then put them on the windows, right? It might have been just you. Okay. <laughs> Why would you put jelly on a window? No, it wasn't jelly. It was Oh, like, like a... the window decals? Yeah, except you could actually put it down. You traced out your hand. Oh, I'd never seen one you could added... trace out. Yeah, they, were, they used to be, like, little sheets you could get at, like, dollar stores and stuff. And That's just... cool trace them out and then it looks like your hands were bloody seen on the, the pre, window. I've seen the pre-cut ones, but I thought you were talking about putting your hand like in a grape jelly and no. then just smearing it on the window. I was like, oh, no, that's your not... mother let you do that? What? No. No. Uh, no, that never happened, but you know, <laughs> making your own Halloween decorations was a thing we did a lot. Yeah. I love Halloween, so... I love spooky season. We haven't done it as much since our son's been born because, you know, busy parents, <laughs> but we used to go out and have all of the spider webs over all of the plants out front. We had giant spiders crawling through them <laughs> and corn stalks tied to all the posts. We had that this year, though. Yep, we did re-add that back in, but now it's been windier than... They're all whopper-jawed. Oh yeah, they, they do not look right. So in the in the 1920s and 30s, Halloween had become a, a secular and 
but community-centered holiday, with parades and town-wide Halloween parties as the featured entertainment. Despite the best efforts of many schools and communities, vandalism began to plague some of the celebrations in many communities. Um, yeah. You're going to have that anywhere. The, you have them say trick or treat. Yeah. And we used to take note of who didn't give out treats. I Especially did. if your light was on and you didn't have candy, that was an invitation. Because if you don't have candy, at least my group of friends, you just turn the light off. We didn't go up to your house. We didn't expect anything. Yeah. You leave your light on. Fair mm, game. Fair game. So the Great Depression exacerbated the problem. With Halloween mischief often devolving into vandalism, physical assaults, and sporadic acts of violence. One theory... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's, that happens. It shouldn't. Most of our tricks were harmless. You know, you'd find your porch furniture upside down or switched with your neighbors or things like that. <laughs> One theory suggests that excessive pranks on Halloween led to a widespread adoption of an organized community-based trick-or-treating tradition in the 1930s. This trend was abruptly curtailed as Devil's Night. However, with the outbreak of World War II, when sugar rationing meant that there were fewer treats to hand out. At the height of the post-war baby boom, trick-or-treating reclaimed its place among the Halloween customs. It quickly became standard practice for millions of children in American cities and newly built suburbs, no longer constrained by sugar rations. Candy companies capitalized on the lucrative ritual, launching national advertising campaigns specifically aimed to Halloween. They made cartoons, songs, dances, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. When you have sugar, you can make candy! Well, you didn't, you didn't even need candy for some of the harder years, like... You know. I got a rock. No, we never had anyone get a rock. <laughs> I would love a rock in my Halloween I'm candy. sure you would. But there were years where, you know, people didn't have a lot, so we got in the cul-de-sacs and, you know, we made hot chocolate or coffee and... Just hung out? Just hung out. Yeah. We didn't have to have candy. It was cool that we did. Mm-hmm. By the 1950s, town leaders had successfully limited vandalism, and Halloween had evolved into a holiday directed mainly to the young. Due to the high numbers of young children during the 50s baby boom, parties moved from the town's civic centers into the classrooms or homes where they, had, where they could be more easily accommodated. Between the 1920s and the 1950s, the centuries-old prank of trick-or-treating was revived. Trick-or-treating was relatively inexpensive way for the community to share in the Halloween celebration. The theory families could also prevent tricks from being played on them by providing the neighborhood children with small treats. Yeah, and sacrifices to the tiny gremlins. Hey, we make our daily sacrifices to our tiny overlord. And to be real, even the people that couldn't give out candy, we had people that, you know, here's a nickel. I mean, we were kids, that was still awesome. Yeah, oh look, money! Oh, you mean I didn't have to pick up sticks to get this? This is great. <laughs> Trick-or-treating setting off on Halloween night in costume and ringing doorbells to demand treats has been a tradition in the United States and other countries for more than a century. Its origins remain murky, with 
but traces can be found in the ancient Celtic festivals, early Roman Catholic holidays, medieval practices, and even British politics. I believe that. <laughs> I'm waiting for the, you know, the head of lettuce for the prime minister to become a thing. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. It's really funny at the time. A man representing the Winter King. Winter is coming. Oh, Rum King. Holds a flaming sword as he takes part in a ceremony celebrating so so in in Somerset, England in 2017. <laughs> so, just as an example. Did you know, although it is not precisely known where the phrase trick-or-treat was coined, the custom had been firmly established in American popular culture by 1951. Where do you think it was popularized in cartoon for like almost the first time? Like in the cartoon itself? Hmm? Let's see, 1950s... Well, it's a comic strip. It's not a Oh, show. the comic strip? I don't know. You got me. <laughs> when trick-or-treating was depicted in the Peanuts comic strip, and in 1952, Disney produced a cartoon called Trick or Treat, featuring Donald Duck and his nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I think I've seen that. I didn't know Peanuts was that old. Oh, yeah. The guy who made Peanuts, I don't believe, is alive anymore. Yeah, but that, there are lots of people that make things that aren't alive anymore, and they it's not like it wasn't still recent. That's fair. With Celtic celebrations of sewing... Villagers disguised themselves in costumes and made animal skins to drive away phantom visitors. Banquet tables were prepared and food was left out to placate the unwelcome spirits. So, dressing up in costume, giving out snacky snacks to appease them. Sounds familiar, eh? In later centuries, people began dressing as ghosts, demons, and other malevolent creatures, performing antics in exchange for food and drink. This custom, known as mumming, dates back to Middle Ages and is thought to be an antecedent to trick-or-treating. Thus, a new American tradition was born and has continued to grow. Today, Americans spend an estimated $6 billion annually on Halloween. Now, Megan, where did they get your personal budget from Halloween? Making it the country's second largest commercial holiday after Christmas. Yeah, well, you know, soon there will be no other holiday except for Christmas. Yeah, we went to look for uh, Halloween decorations at Menards like a month and a half ago. Which was like beginning of September. And they already had Christmas stuff in the place of Halloween stuff. I didn't even know what to do with myself. There was a 12-foot Santa. Uh, well, you know, it used to be I'd always know when stuff was about to get real because when we worked at office max not a sponsor um all of a sudden we'd get the pallet box in of christmas wrapping paper and then we'd all know christmas had begun and it almost always came right before the end of october yep so now let's get into some tradiciones okay let's talk about halloween matchmaking what <laughs> yeah i didn't know that was a thing either but apparently Maybe it's because we're in the Midwest. Many had to do with helping young women identify their future husbands and reassuring them that they would someday, with luck, by next Halloween, be married. So by the age of 13, right? 
God. <laughs> well, you know, I and I say well, you know, a lot because. Well, you know. Well, you know. <laughs> Don't you know? Um, I mean, when life expectancy was like, you'll live to the ripe old age of dead and child, but you know, oh, you made it to thirty. Damn, you're old. That's says fair. says the man that turns thirty in November. Damn, you're old. I am old. I have been an old man since I was 13. <laughs> in 18th century Ireland, a matchmaker cook would bring a ring in her mashed potatoes on Halloween night, hoping to bring true love to the diner who found it. Sounds like a choking hazard to me. I mean... Here's your potatoes. I mean, potatoes. Delicious. I mean, it's not too much different than, like, the thought of a king's cake. That's true, with a little baby or whatever in it. Yeah. And miscellaneous other stuff. Or the uh, stone and stone soups. In Scotland, fortune tellers recommended that a young, eligible young woman name a hazelnut for each of her suitors and then toss the nuts into the fireplace. The nut that burned to ashes rather than popping or exploding, the story went, represented the girl's future husband. But then there were other stories where it was the opposite. Because you know what? You can't deny these nuts! <laughs> I saw my opportunity, I took it, I'm not sorry. Another tale had it that if a young woman ate a sugary concoction made out of walnuts, hazelnuts, and nutmeg before bed on Halloween night, she would dream of her future husband. That just sounds like she ate too much sugar right before bed and she had a weird ass dream. Yeah, and with the sheer amount of fiber that she just ate with all of that, hmm. Shit dream is probably uh, closer to accurate than she would want to admit. <laughs> Young women tossed apple peels over their shoulder, hoping that the peels would fall on the floor in the shape of their future husband's initial. Tried to learn about their futures by peering into egg yolks floating in a bowl of water, and stood in front of mirrors in darkened rooms holding candles, looking over their shoulder for their husband's face. <laughs> One of these days, you're going to be in the bathroom, and the light's going to go out, and you're just going to see my face behind you going. If you do that, I mean, I almost shit myself when you just open the door, let alone if it goes dark and you're just there. I might die. Just the whole SpongeBob. Hi, how you doing? <laughs> Hi, how are you? Oh, whatever. Other rituals were a little bit more competitive. At some Halloween parties, the first guest to find a burr on a chestnut hunt would be the first to marry. At others, the first successful apple bobber would be the first one down the aisle. Wow. So if Putting you, a lot of... So if you have jaws like an alligator, you're probably getting married this year. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Just jaw unhinges, eats all the apples in one fell swoop. Oh my lord, my stars and goddess. <laughs> <laughs> of course, whether you're asking for romantic advice or trying to avoid seven years of bad luck, each one of these Halloween superstitions relies on goodwill of some the very same spirit whose presence was that early Celts felt so keenly. So that is how you matchmake on Halloween. Whatever. So, when we were, uh... Doing a courting, were you throwing apple peels over your shoulder, or were you throwing nuts into the fire? Let's be real here. If someone is throwing apple peels over their shoulder, 
they're more than likely not going to see initials. They're going to see someone that's pissed that they're littering. <laughs> that's fair. Throwing nuts in the fire. A- as a person who had family that, you know, regularly had those big, weird trays of, like, walnuts and then all of those around, if you threw the nuts that were meant for eating, you were probably getting spanked. <laughs> But if this is your tradition, it's something that you're supposed to do and that's encouraged for you to do. They want you to get married before the ripe old age of 12 now. Well... It's going down. I mean, for those of you that watch Game of Thrones, one person was betrothed when they were nine. And the rule then, for those of you that are curious, is you could be married. You could not sleep with your spouse until your first moon bleed. Delightful. There you go. Merry Christmas to everyone. We took a turn into periods. I love it. Hey, we already were there. Oh no, that was in the other one. My bad. (laughs) We're recording multiple at a time. I'm getting confused. (laughs) So now we're going to talk about jack-o'-lanterns. Perpkins. Or turnips. Who carves turnips? Oh, we're going to learn. Oh, we're going to learn. The tradition of carving jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland using turnips instead of pumpkins. My people using the turnips. You say that like I'm not also Irish. (laughs) It is allegedly based on the legend that a man called Dingy Jack, who repeatedly trapped the devil and only let him go on the condition that Jack would never go to hell. But when Jack died, he learned that heaven did not want his soul either, so he was forced to wander the earth as a ghost for eternity. The devil gave Jack a burning lamp of coal in a carved-out turnip to light his way. Locals eventually began to carve scary faces in the turnips to frighten away his evil spirit. You were such a dick to the devil that you got exiled from heaven. (laughs) How do you feel? Oh, man. I can't even imagine. Ha! I beat the devil. I bested him. God will be so proud. No, that is my son. How dare you? (laughs) It's sort of like the, uh, you know, I can say what I want about my parents or kids, but you can't say anything. It's true. So where do you think the colors of orange and black originate from? Do you have any ideas? Well, seeing as the only country that I'm aware of that uses orange in anything is the Netherlands, that's going to be my bet. The traditional colors of Halloween are orange and black, which also traces back to Samhain. For the Celts, black represented death of summer, while the orange represented the fall, autumn harvest season. Not as spooky as you thought, huh? No, I was going purely with flags. I'm like, which one has orange in it? should have guessed it was the Irish. My bad. So now we're going to talk about pranks. I know we already talked about some, but... Plead the fifth. (laughs) Playing pranks often varies by region, but the pre-Halloween tradition known as Devil's Night is credited with as a different origin depending on the source. Some say the pranks started as part of the May Day celebrations, but Samhain and eventually All Souls Day also included good-natured mischief. The Irish and Scottish immigrants came to the America. They brought with them the tradition of celebrating Mischief Night as part of Halloween. I have a funny 
almost toilet papering story. <laughs> Hold up. How do you almost toilet paper a house? Because I had a friend who was a bad influence. Shout out to Sarah. Hey girl. Um, but yeah, I went over to her house and we were gonna sneak out at like 2 a.m. and go over. We like scoped out this house earlier in the day, which we had to walk through woods in the dark. You know what I'm afraid of? The dark. <laughs> so we didn't plan this plan out very well. Um, she had the toilet paper and everything and she was ready to go and when she went to go leave I said I can't do that so I ended up staying home at her house by myself and her and her other friends went out and toilet papered this house I am a, too much of a goody two-shoes I suppose see almost all of the pranks that I can think of that I successfully completed all of them were good-natured in the fact that they never damaged property. <laughs> you may have had to go find your property, but you didn't lose it. Um, or good-natured uh, things that were easily fixed. You know, uh, moving people's furniture, putting it upside down, putting on the overhang of their porch. Overhang? Did you throw it up there? No, we had a ladder. No. Oh. We never toilet papered anything because A, toilet paper is expensive, and B, it's a pain in the butt to clean up. Rip toilet paper shortages. Thank you, Casco. Uh, also, shout out to bidets for being the real thing that everyone should use. Love me a good bidet. This and is an odd podcast today. <laughs> well, this isn't murder, so I don't know how to behave. And it's Halloween, so I want... Spoopy! I mean, it has ghosts, so kind of true crime-ish, maybe? Mm. It's a stretch. Yeah. I like Halloween, so here we are. Do you know who, what bats have to do with Halloween? Bats are mostly because of Bram Stoker's... Stroker. What? Bram Stoker's Dracula. Because there is one breed of bat in the entire world that drinks blood cow blood that literally it makes a little incision about the size of a one by one gram cube and then it numbs the area so you don't even feel it and then it licks it it doesn't bite and suck it literally just comes out and it licks it mlum 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 <laughs> strange anyway i'm guess i'm guessing it's because of dracula and all that fun stuff bats were likely present at the earliest Halloween celebrations, not just symbolically, but literally. As part of Soen, Celtics lit large bonfires which attracted insects, which in turn attracted bats. Soon spotting bats became connected with the festival. Medieval folklore expanded upon the eeriness of bats, with a number of superstitions built around the belief that bats were hairbringer, hairbringers of death. Harbingers. Harbingers of death. Yeah, uh, also, if you, once again, Midwest thing, if you ever want bats to come near you, you need to take a quarter and just keep flicking it up in the air by the woods, because as the quarter spins, when they use their little echolocation thing, they think it's a moth. That's so rude. Making the bat think that, uh, you're a delicious snack. No, but 
for people that have never seen bats that would like to. It doesn't hurt the bat. That's fair, but you're teasing the poor bat. Hey, I build bat houses because I would rather have bats than bugs. The next section is devouring candy. As a diabetic, I find this extremely insensitive. YOLO. Rude. <laughs> What's funny, uh, fun fact, I was diagnosed with diabetes three days before Halloween when I was 13. That's unfortunate. That sucked a lot. Poor unfortunate soul. It was. The act of going door to door for handouts has long been a part of the Halloween revelries. But until the mid 20th century, the treats, quote unquote, children received were not necessarily candy. Things like fruit, nuts, coins, and toys were just as likely to be given out. Trick-or-treating rose in popularity in the 1950s and it inspired the commercialization of Halloween with the candy places. Because, you know, we can't do anything without commercializing it in the U.S. As someone who works in the marketing field, I'm offended. Yeah, well, you know, I found almost all of this offensive with the candy, so we'll <laughs> just keep it as a uh, nil to nil. People began to favor the confections out of convenience, but candy did not dominate over other treats until the 1970s when parents started fearing of anything unwrapped. I mean, fair-ish. Once again, small towns. Because <laughs> if, you know, your neighbor gave you a caramel apple and you've known your neighbor your entire life, you're probably still taking that. What if he gives you a janky pixie stick? Precursor to the next episode. First of all, that guy is not a good neighbor, and you can't make a pixie stick without <laughs> a bunch of very special equipment. A stapler? <coughs> and yeah. a knife. A stapler, a knife, I'm guessing a syringe of some kind. What if it's cubes of something? You still gotta crush it, or if he was smart, he would have just coated the sugar with that, and that's what made it clumpy. Anyway, lots of spoilers there for those of you that want to try and figure that one out. Good luck. <laughs> you want to know what the origin of candy corn is? Love me some good candy corn and candy pumpkins. Um, nom, nom, nom. Haven't gotten any this year. Probably a good thing. Might or might not be diabetic myself. <laughs> uh, first of all, candy corn was made by the devil um, because it is neither candy nor corn. If you put it together, it looks like corn. Uh... I don't know what corn you're seeing that has big, bright orange knobs, but okay. <laughs> you're a bright orange knob. <laughs> a candy maker at the Wonderly Candy Company in Philadelphia is sometimes credited with the inventing the tricolor candy in the 1880s, but candy corn did not become widely sensationalized until the Glitz Family Company brought the candy to the masses in 1898. Candy corn was originally called chicken feed. Yeah, and that's what it should have been used for. And it sold in boxes with the slogan saying, Something worth crowing for. <laughs> Initially, it was just an autonomous candy because of corn's association with harvest time. Candy corn later became Halloween specific when trick or treating grew to popularity in the 1950s. Nom, nom, nom. Love me some good candy corn. He likes the chocolate kind. Don't let him fool you. I would still rather have almost anything else. 
Now we're going to talk about similar holidays to Halloween, but in other places. Guess what so, the first one is? Dio de los Muertos. Si, senor. I probably butchered that, and for anyone that actually speaks Spanish, I'm sorry. Dia de los Muertos. Sure. In Mexico, Latin America, and Spain, All Saints Day, which takes place on November 2nd, is commemorated with a three-day celebration that begins on the evening of October 31st. The celebration is designed to honor the dead, who it is believed return to their earthly homes on Halloween. Many families construct an altar to the dead in their homes to honor deceased family members and decorate it with candy, flowers, photographs, samples of a person's favorite food and drinks and fresh water. Often a wash basinist towel is also left out for the spirit to wash themselves so they can indulge in the feast. Watch Coco. Great movie. Great movie. Also Book of Life is also a very good one in regards to Dia de los Muertos. That's more of Spain though. Well, it says Spain right here. I know. Did you know that Dia de los Muertos festivities feature breads, candies, and other foods in the shape of skulls and skeletons? Also known as sugar skulls. Yes. Candles and incest. Incest. Where did you get incest? <laughs> oh my god. Candles and incense are burned to help the deceased find their way home. Relatives also tidy the grave sites of their departed family members, by, which includes snipping weeds, making repairs, and painting. The grave is then also decorated with flowers, wreaths, and paper streamers. On November 2nd, relatives gather at the grave site to picnic and reminisce. Some gatherings even include tequila and a mariachi band. Let's be real honest. In the U.S., we don't really need an excuse to drink. We'll just find one. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Guy Fox Day? Yes. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I see no reason the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. It was about a religious extremist that managed to take barrels and barrels and barrels of black gunpowder and tried to get it under the House of Lords was planning to blow it up. Well. For those of you that don't know that, please go watch V for Vendetta. It's a great movie. And you'll have that same poem that I just said stuck in your head for months. And our friend, who lives next door, knows the entire sequence of Voila! A humble vaudevillian veteran. And he can go through the entire thing. It's amazing. Don't tell him this, but I've never seen that movie. And we've been together for almost 10 years. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't think you would like it, so... There's a lot of movies that I've watched that you haven't. That's fair. So on the evening of November 5th, bonfires were lit throughout England. Effigies? Effigies. Hey, I did it right! Effigies are burned and fireworks were set off. Although it falls around the same time as and has some similar traditions, this celebration has little to do with Halloween or ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. The English, for the most part, stopped celebrating Halloween as Martin Luther's protest reformation began to spread. As followers of the new religion did not believe in saints, they had no reason to celebrate 
the eve of All Saints Day. However, a new autumn ritual did emerge. Guy Fawkes Day celebrations were designed to commemorate the execution of the notorious English traitor Guy Fawkes. On November 5, 1606, Fawkes was executed after being convicted of attempting to blow up England's Parliament building. Fawkes was a member of the Catholic group who wanted to remove the Protestant King James from power. The original Guy Fawkes Day was celebrated right after his execution. The first bonfires, which were called Bonefires, were set up to burn effigies and symbolic bones of the Catholic Pope. It was not until two centuries later that effigies of the Pope were replaced with those of Guy Fawkes. In addition to making effigies to be burned in the fires, children in some parts of England also walk the streets carrying an effigy or guy and ask for a penny for a guy. Although they keep the money for themselves, this is as close to America's practice of trick-or-treating as can be found in England today. Guy Fawkes Day was often celebrated by the pilgrims at the first settlement at Plymouth. However, as the young nation began to develop its own history, Guy Fawkes was celebrated less frequently and eventually died out. I thought that was interesting. I really didn't know anything about Guy Fawkes Day because I hadn't seen V for Vendetta or much of history. Don't tell Ferg. I won't tell anyone. But it is a really good movie. Okay, we'll have to watch it sometime. So how do you think Ireland celebrates Halloween right now? I have no idea. <laughs> in Ireland, how Halloween originated, the day is still celebrated, much as it is in the United States. In rural areas, bonfires are lit as they were in the days of the Celtics and all over the country. Children dress up in costumes and spend the evening trick-or-treating in their neighborhoods. After trick-or-treating, most people attend parties with neighbors and friends. At the parties, many games are played, including Snap Apple, a game in which an apple on the string is tied to a door frame or tree and people try to bite it. We do something similar here sometimes. Or I have. We've done it with a donut before. I was about to say, I think I've done it with a donut. I don't think... An apple sounds like it would hurt. Oh, I hit it too hard. Ah, my eye! <laughs> More like, oh, I tried to bite it, and it knocked out my tooth. In addition for, to bobbing for apples, parents often arrange scavenger hunts with candy and pastries as the treasure. The Irish also play a card game where cards are laid face down on a table with candy and coins underneath them. When a child chooses a card, he receives whatever prize is below it. Seems pretty basic. Do they like mold, like mound the cards like a little bit, fold it, so it covers it better? Or? I have no idea. <laughs> a traditional food eaten at Halloween in Ireland is barnbrook. What? Barnbrook. I thought you said barn bricks. I'm like, what? Yes, a barn brick. Delicious, nutritious. It's a kind of fruit cake that can be bought in stores or baked at home. A muslin wrapped treat is baked inside of a cake. This said can foretell the eater's future. If a ring is found, it means the person will soon to be red. A piece of straw means that a prosperous year is on its way. Children can also be known to play tricks on their neighbors, such as knock a dolly, a prank where children knock on the doors of their neighbors and then run away before the door is opened. So, ding-dong ditch. So that's ding-dong ditch, but the other one sounds like your king cake we were talking about earlier. Yep. 
So those are what I have as Halloween traditions, Halloween origins. Did you learn some new stuff today? Yes, dear. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us today. It was nice having you, and I'm glad that you learned some things. I surprised you with how much I knew about Guy Fawkes Day. That was... I wish they could have seen your face. I was impressed. Well, thank you everybody for joining us, and we hope that you enjoy this spooky season. Be careful out there. Bye! Thank you for joining us on our journey to explore true crime from coast to coast. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review and join us for our next episode, where we will be traveling into the darkness of our next location. Until next time, always remember to stay vigilant and safe.